There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest for this episode is Mr. Tony Caldwell. He is the CEO of OAA, the One Agents Alliance. Uh, They are a a master agency uh, for SIAA, the Strategic Insurance Agents Alliance, the biggest and baddest network and aggregator in all the land. Uh, it is a privilege uh, for me to have uh, Tony on here. Somehow he beat my own master agency uh, in SIA. Uh, nobody from Coverica has come on the pod yet. Uh, I guess it's partly my fault for not inviting them. But uh, Tony, congratulations on beating everybody else to the punch uh, in the SIAA world. And, and uh, thank you for joining us, my man. Well, I'm, I don't know how that happened, but I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So, so I'm going to hand you the microphone because you guys have a lot going on. I'd love for you to tell us about OAA and, and your team there and what you guys are up to uh, in the marketplace and the agents that you serve. And then we're just going to talk shop as two old insurance wonks who who love the industry and enjoy just breaking it open and, and talking about current events and uh, the issues that uh, we all face here as professionals. So, Tony, why don't you start us off with your journey as a professional? Uh, we'll, we'll stay there first, and then we'll go to OAA here in a little bit. So okay. uh, what, what's the Tony Caldwell brief story? Well, you know, I've been a, an entrepreneur since I was 10 years old. I started my first company at the age of 10 and kept on doing that all the way through uh, up until now. Uh, and I was also interested in political involvement and public service, uh, having, uh, you know, we just had elections yesterday. And so that's mm-hmm. always interesting to me because I've, I've done that and uh, had a little bit of success there. But after I finished my political career, I, I got in the insurance business. I joined a, a friend of mine in a small commercial insurance agency here in Oklahoma City. And I had a dream that I, I wanted to help build a large sales organization where people could achieve their personal and professional dreams in, a, in an amazing business and uh, had no real idea how that would happen. Uh, that was in 19, uh, see, 1996. And uh, I heard about SIAA in 1997. We became a master agency for them in 2000. And we today have about 190 some odd in independent insurance agencies in eight states. We operate in Oklahoma, Kansas, 
uh, Arkansas and uh, California principally, but have agents in a few other states like Texas and New Mexico. And uh, all into about $850 million of premium volume, about $100 million of revenue, and have over a thousand insurance professionals working in independent agencies building their futures. And so what we do at One Agents Alliance, you mentioned aggregation, and that's a byproduct of what we do. What we really are focused on is helping develop people, taking their skill sets, whatever those may be, and helping them to build successful agencies, successful businesses with their unique skill sets, along with all of the tools and techniques and opportunities that we can bring to the table uh, from a larger, both regional and national organization. And so, um, you know, I I love what I do because uh, we help people's dreams come true. Man, ain't that the truth. Now, what what a, a great lead in here. So real quick, just a couple of, uh, you know, logistical questions. Uh, Coverica, my organization here in, in the north and central Texas area, they operate simultaneously as both a large and sophisticated retail agency. And then the alliance operates, you know, concurrently with the retail operation under, you know, different leadership, of course. Uh, is OAA like that as well? Is there a retail component to your operation, or are you strictly operating as a as a sales and and coaching and management organization for the retail partners? No, we sold our retail agency uh, a few years ago, and I wanted to do that so that we could focus exclusively on working with our agents to build their futures and not be, uh, you know, uh, distracted. I guess with a retail insurance agency. Nothing at all wrong uh, with doing both. Mikester Lacey is an amazing visionary and has built a very successful uh, retail operation. And with his son, they have built a really successful uh, master agency for SIAA as well. Mike's a dear friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I wish I had his talent and ability and could do two things as well at the same time (laughs) as he's able to do. You know, I, I consider myself incredibly blessed and fortunate that the only two leaders that I have ever known in the insurance industry, uh, back in my farmer's days, Gary Edmonds uh, was my district manager for the entire time I was at Farmers, and Gary is just an absolute gem of a human being. Uh, he's He was a wonderful leader and father figure to me for those six years, and I go from Gary Edmonds to Mike Sterlacy, and it's like... Wow. Talk about just spoiled rotten. Uh, I've never known a bad leader in the insurance world. Uh, and, you know, Chris, his son, has become a friend uh, as well as a colleague. So it's uh, it's really cool to see, you know, real relationships happen out of business opportunities. Well, you know, I think one of the things that's really, it's it's not, maybe it's not unique, but it certainly is a hallmark of our business. And that is that you know, the people that get into the independent agency business uh, have a real desire to be useful to people. Uh, They want to help people. They want to help their clients, their customers. They're almost always universally involved in their communities. Uh, They're really people, I think, who believe in, in, in what I believe in, which is that we all stand on someone else's shoulders and we really need and we owe it to those people that whose shoulders we're standing on to let others stand on ours. And so I I think you've been lucky, but I would say your experience is probably fairly commonplace. Hmm. You know, it, it's really interesting, Tony, and I, and I can imagine just from talking to you for a few minutes, and you and I don't have any previous contact with each other at all, so uh, it, this is a real treat for me to to have a fresh take on, on someone whose name I've heard for the last three and a half years, and it's always in the context of 
what quality leader you are in, in a, a well-respected and admired industry professional. So uh, it's it's really cool to get some FaceTime with you here. Uh, I can well, imagine I, you and I feel the same way that we have a responsibility. It is incumbent on you and I as leaders uh, to pass on the same sort of you know positive experience that we both received from those that came before us. Yeah, no question. Absolutely right. So let's talk for a second about OAA. Uh, what what is the the vision? What is your role in the marketplace? You know, how do you see yourself in the larger context? Because the distribution model in the independent insurance world just gets cloudier with each passing year. You know, we we have the the embedded, the direct to consumer, you know, the captive or exclusive agents, and then in the independent world, even there's a lot of different flavors from large national brokers to small mom and pop shops. And I feel like SIAA, that you and I operate somewhere in the middle between those two extremes. Uh, what do you see your role uh, in, in distribution and, and your role as a, as a leader uh, and an influencer in our part of the industry? And, and what does OAA want to be as we move forward as, as things continue to evolve in the industry? Well, I think OAA seeks to be a facilitator and an enabler to allow really talented people to express their talent and abilities in building traditional businesses that serve their communities, uh, you know, and serve their customers. One of the things that I think uh, is going to be a hallmark of the future successful independent agent is that they have a much deeper and richer understanding and relationship with their clients and customers than they do now. That's always been the value proposition of independent agents. It was that they offered choice, but also the the uh, the knowledge of their of their customer and uh, enabling them to really serve people in a in a unique and deep way. In the last 15 years or so, we've been overly focused on price. There's a lot of things in the marketplace that have caused that to happen. I think that technology is bringing back the opportunity to take the drudgery out of some of the work that we do, giving us free time to spend more time building relationships. And so I, I think the future of independent agents is very bright, but I think it's different. And so um, while we are a large organization and we offer a lot of opportunities and advantages to people in terms of additional compensation, access to carriers, access to technology that maybe they couldn't uh, do on their own, to me that is a byproduct of what we really want to do. What we really want to do is help people see the direction that the future is taking us in, have an unfair advantage in that respect, to be able to prepare themselves to be successful, not just now, but in five years and in 10 years and beyond that. We live in a, in a rapidly changing world. Uh, things are very volatile, not just because of the a current economic situation, political situation, even uh, environments like the, the war in Ukraine that is dramatically impacting all of us economically every day. Those are all things that are current and real right now. But we're also in a time of really fundamental change driven by things like demographic change. My generation, the baby boomers, are uh, not me, but many of my uh, friends are, are thinking about or actively moving into retirement. That's the largest generation in American history. It's the largest generation in world history, followed by two much smaller generations. That has impacts and implications for us. One is that, you know, when you have a consumer-based e 
economy, perhaps growth can't be taken for granted the way it has been able to be for the last 50 years. Um, we're going to have a consistent and continuing talent problem and because there's not as many people following behind to take the roles. Uh, and so a lot of the things that are happening right now or just beginning to happen are going to roil the, the waters and uh, make it hard to figure out what we should be doing so that we can guarantee ourselves success in the future that we've had in the past. And so one of the things that I try to bring to our industry is some thoughtfulness around not only what are those trends, what are those things that are uh, changing, but how they interrelate to each other and what their implications are. And with all of that in mind, what are some you know strategies that a small business person operating in, a, in their community can do, can adopt, to make certain that they, their employees, their families, and their clients and customers are well cared for and are successful going forward. So uh, we do a, a little bit of a lot of things, but really look uh, personally, I enjoy thinking about the immediate near term, which I define as the next five to 10 years, and what we've got to do to adapt and prepare for that so that we can continue the incredible success that we've had. And in, in the success that you've had up to this point, you know, as we look, you've been in it since the early 2000s. You have seen a lot of variation in, in theme, a variation in economic conditions of, you know, the pendulum that seems to swing back and forth every few years between hard market, soft market, uh, depending on the nature of catastrophes. And with you being in Oklahoma City, you're ground zero uh, for wind and hail catastrophe on, on the national scene. I'd love to get your take on a, kind of a two-part question here. You've been in the game for more than 20 years. You know, I'd love to hear an answer, maybe one or two things uh, that used to work that no longer works, uh, that agents need to stop doing because it's not effective anymore. And then the flip side of that question, you know, as, as you look back on the way that things used to be versus how they are now, What's something that is relatively new that people need to be doing that they haven't had to do before, but they really should be doing now as we look, you know, from where we are now in 22 and beyond? You know, what do they need to stop doing? What do they need to start doing? That's a great set of questions, and it, it could be a really, uh, it's hard to answer in one answer, but the thing that no, jumps out to me that uh, stop doing is stop thinking of yourself as a service organization and start thinking of yourself as a sales organization. Uh, and, and, you know, I think a lot of agencies uh, do think of themselves as a sales organization, but fundamentally they're not organized that way and they don't really mm -hmm. perform that way. The average independent agency grows at the rate of GDP growth, 2 to 3% a year in past years anyway. Um, and so I, I think that's not a recipe for success in the future. I think uh, independent agencies are, are started and operated usually by great salespeople, but they, they don't pass themselves, really drive that into the DNA of their business. And so I think that the successful agent of the future is a sales organization. Uh, that, that does take care of the service needs of their clients and customers, but is really focused on figuring out what it is that keeps people that they work with up at night and solving those problems uh, with the products that they sell. So start thinking of yourself 
really and acting like a sales organization. Stop thinking as a service organization as your primary focus. Um, and then um, what do you need to start doing? And I think that's there, there's a number of things, but I think that what technology is doing in our industry uh, and is going to do throughout the economy is take a lot of routine, repetitive kinds of tasks away from us. Uh, comparative rating systems are a great example of that. You can now give somebody a quote with an unlimited, practically, uh, number of personal insurance companies. You can now do that with small commercial. Uh, and so what used to take hours or days of work can be done with minutes. And that's going to become even faster uh, as the input methodologies get more and more sophisticated. So that frees up enormous amounts of time. Uh, the question is, what do you do with that time? Uh, you could go play golf, uh, you know, uh, work three days a week or whatever. But I think the, the answer for people who want to build dynamic, sustainable businesses into the future is to take that time to have real, meaningful, serious conversations with people, uh, you know, and get back to this idea of building relationships. There are stereotypes, you know, for example, around young people who can't even talk to each other face to face. You know, you see people in restaurants all texting, uh, you know, four people at a, at, a, at a table and they're all texting. They're not interacting with one another. There's a real hunger uh, because it's human nature. We want to connect with people and agents uh, are drawn into this business because it's a people business. So start getting back to that. Have more and deeper conversations, and you'll find, I believe, that your retention rates are uh, amazing. Your agency will become like the Hotel California. Check out any time you like, but never leave, baby. Right. right? There you go. Right. Good deal. Now, that, that's great insight, Tony. I, I love where you're coming from there. You know, when, when you look at overall market condition, when you look at distribution, when you look at uh, the um, what a lot of people see as, is impending doom with uh, embedded insurance and all of the – it seems like you, you get a new email from somebody who's now selling insurance right. when they're existing in, in unrelated verticals. You know, I, uh, I had a, a banner ad pop up today for LendingTree, and it, it was – talking about auto insurance and I'm like lending tree why on earth is lending tree serving me an auto insurance ad right. I thought it was just fascinating because I don't know if it's a third-party partnership or some sort of QBI or embedded solution but it's like you're not an insurance organization you're lending tree you're supposed to be putting out like ads for you know 30-year fixed mortgage rates or auto loans or whatever why are we having this conversation and it's just the next reminder of everybody and their mom is trying to get their slice of the insurance pie. You know, what is what is your take on how savvy agents, how our freedom jumpers, the listeners on this podcast, how can we stay in front of an ever evolving and becoming more and more complex uh, insurance marketplace uh, in, in you know Q4 here as we record this in November of 2022? Uh, and in beyond, because you know these episodes live in perpetuity. Someone's going to hear your words a year or two from now. Um, what's your take on on how we stay in front of this thing? Well, I think first of all, you have to recognize that business models have to change. 
uh, they, they do change. Uh, sometimes business models go completely out of business. Um, I don't think that that's uh, going to happen with insurance distribution per se, uh, but it is certainly uh, going to change. And one of the things that change implies is that the market gets more fragmented. And so what agents perhaps have thought of as their unique domain uh, for 100 years or more isn't any longer, right? That's the point you're making. So the, the market gets more fragmented and there's going to be some parts of it go away. Uh, the market gets smaller. And so if you want to be an agent in the future, you have to recognize that and understand you can't serve everybody. You know, you can't compete with an algorithm on faster or cheaper. I mean, you just can't. That's not a, but, but an algorithm cannot compete with you on being a human being. And so I think what we have to do to be successful in the future is to co-opt technology to get rid of repetitious, uh, non-value-laden uh, tasks so that we can focus more on being a human being. And, you know, someone may buy auto insurance from an algorithm or an online vendor or from a lending tree once. But when they have a claim, uh, you know, and they don't get... Uh, you know they don't they don't get the the back to service. I mean they don't they don't have somebody that is there for them and cares for them through that process, or they're not covered properly, uh, and they have a problem. Well, then that's the opportunity for you to come back into the picture. The other side of it is don't let that happen in the first place. Uh, you know, and I don't I, I do think there's always going to be a large percentage, a majority I think, of people who know that if their home, their livelihood, um, you know, their, what, their nest egg that they worked all of their life to build, they don't want to lose that or put that at risk without the assurance that a person that they trust, because that person knows them and they, and they have a relationship, uh, has told them that they're okay because they're covered. And so I think there's a role for us forever in the future. I think the role changes. Uh, and I think it's enabled by technology. I don't think we get replaced by technology. I think technology enables us. Now, one of the things that will allow us to do, I believe, is to serve our customers better. Um, you know, in a more in a more personal and in a more bespoke way. I think mass customization of of individual tailored insurance is possible for the for the regular Main Street agent, and it also allows us to serve more people, which means that we can begin to think about escaping the, the limitations that agents have traditionally had, like geography, for example. Um, yep. Geography is now dead uh, as a limiter. Uh, our conversation today proves that you can develop face-to-face -face real relationships with people at, at a distance anywhere they happen to be if you have something useful for them, like expertise in their business or industry. Um, and so agents have to begin to think both more broadly from a geographical perspective, but also more narrowly from the standpoint of becoming real experts in something uh, and focusing on that rather than trying to be all things to all people. And I think that's the recipe for success in the future. Now, it's very interesting that you say geography is dead. Uh, I think that may very well be uh, the title of your episode. You know, Tony Caldwell on how geography is dead. 
it, I had a very interesting conversation uh, with a, a client a few weeks ago, and it was about the fact that we are not local to this individual. And now he's an older gentleman. He's used to having a traditional face-to-face -face relationship with his risk and insurance advisor. Uh, and he was basically uh, saying, oh, you know, we, we prefer to, you know, work with someone who's local. Uh, and he was in the process of trying to, like, you know, evacuate from our sales conversation. And I said, you know, hey, Robert, do me a favor, would you? He was like, what? I was like, y you have your phone on you somewhere, right? I was like, it's in, in your pocket, on your desk or whatever. Go ahead and grab it, would you? And, uh, and we, were, we were on a, uh, on a Zoom call. I was like, well, yeah, it's right here. I was like, okay, I want you to look at your phone. You see that phone? That's how local we are. You got the phone in your hand right now. We're as local as the phone in your pocket. You need us, we're a phone call away. We're responsive to your emails. You want to hop on a video call like we're doing right now. We are as local as you want us to be. We may be a couple hours away from you. You're not going to physically come to my office. But I think in a post-COVID world, all of us realize, wait a second, I don't actually like commuting. I, I like the freedom and flexibility of a, a hybrid or remote work environment. And I think a lot of our clients are starting to see that, wait a second, you know, local might just be dead. If I can get a hold of someone, if I can have a video call with my risk and insurance advisor, if they're responsive to my text messages, my emails, my phone calls, you know what? I'm probably fine with that. And I, I love the quote, geography is dead. I think that's a very interesting perspective. You know, we're only limited by our own, the limits we place around ourselves. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, as a retail insurance agent for a quarter of a century, nobody ever came to our office. I mean, you know, we go to them, right? And so yep. whether you have an office in their town or not is really irrelevant. What's what the issue is, is can you have a face-to-face -face conversation that's meaningful? And, you know, five years ago, I was asking people, hey, let's jump on a Zoom call. People were like, what's Zoom? And, and you know, um, the COVID did a lot of horrible things, but it, it has done some things like sped up a transformation that, you know, was forecasted and foretold by Dick Tracy. So um, we've arrived in a new world, and uh, everyone is now comfortable or gaining comfort with having the kinds of conversations face-to-face -face using technology. And very quickly, whether Meta succeeds or not, we'll have the capability with a really, uh, you know, the form factor of eyeglasses to have uh, conversations with people that are not two-dimensional, but three-dimensional, but at a distance. And so... You know, if you just think about those two communications technologies and what they open up for you in terms of opportunity, and they're just one of maybe a half a dozen uh, things that technology can do for you. Uh, for example, um, you know, everybody's worried about artificial intelligence. AI is going to you know, do all these things. That the the truth is that you know, AI is we're having this conversation. If you and I are having a conversation about your business and and uh, your concerns about risk and the kinds of things that you do and the equipment that you have and all that kind of thing. Imagine five years from now that, that my artificial intelligence engine running in the background is taking notes and sorting and going out to third-party data providers to look at your business in detail and analyze it. And so that by the time we're finished talking, 
it's gone out to insurance companies and sought and looked for uh, through thousands of different ways of covering you and putting together the answers that used to take 90 days and lots of really technically uh, 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 oriented and educated people and helping me to come up with solutions that are perfect for you at, uh, at solving your risk management problems because we spent the time talking and so that so that's the future that we're headed for but you don't want to talk to an avatar you want to talk to a person you know whether it's face to face across from a desk or whether it's face to face across from a virtual desk or whether it's face to face on a zoom call uh, you want to talk to somebody who's skilled and uh, and focused and gifted on asking the right questions the AI will help you come up with the right answers. That's the direction that I think we're headed in. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Now, I I used to watch Star Trek a lot when I was growing up. And it was, for me, the next generation is the first and only Star Trek. Sorry, apologies to William Shatner and my, my parents' generation. My dad and I would always argue, which is the better captain? Is it Picard or is it Captain Kirk? And, you know, one of my favorite things in that whole fictional universe was the holodeck and all these just incredible stories and adventures that they uh, could get into and you know trouble from time to time when uh, the safety protocols were turned off or whatever but it seemed like magic as a kid like just absolute magic and when i look at the reality of the metaverse and i look at these you know goggles and headsets and stuff that you wear to have a fully immersive user experience, it, I realize that something akin to a holodeck with you know three-dimensional holographic cameras that can create an artificial you know environment for you to operate inside of. I mean, we're talking about a decade or two away at most before something similar to a holodeck is real life, where you can create a, an just a fictional universe of your own design inside of some sort of you know holographic or or fully you know digital experience and it almost seems like complete science fiction from i mean just a few years ago it's like yeah no, it's, not, I mean, it's not that far away and it's not science fiction i mean i go to a, a conference every year called abundance 360 on the west coast and 350 entrepreneurs from around the world get together to talk about what's happening in all kinds of technology whether it's medical material science uh, robotics uh, artificial intelligence all these kinds of things what are the implications for the future for the world for the businesses that we're running now and how do we skate you know to the puck and I remember five years ago sitting across the 
desk from a hologram having a conversation just like we're having now. And what happens is your mind, within two or three seconds of donning a pair of glasses, uh, you know, you forget that that's a hologram and it's a real thing to you. I watched uh, Tony Robbins speak to us, I don't know, four or five years ago through a hologram on stage. And they said, hey, Tony's got to be in Florida. He can't be in California with us this year. So he's going to come to us on a hologram. And so here's Robinson. He's talking to us. And I thought, they're putting us on. He's here. I mean, I was 50 feet from the stage and I couldn't believe that he was not really there until he actually threw his hands out in a gesture and his hands disappeared because he got outside the cone of the cameras. That was five years ago. So, um, mm. you know, this stuff is real and it's uh, and it's coming to uh, mainstream very rapidly. Um, you know, I, I bought a telepresence robot six or eight years ago where I could uh, come into the office remotely, roll around, go to meetings, go to people's offices and stuff. And everybody thought it was an interesting gimmick, but it gave me the freedom to work from anywhere in uh, in the world while still being there. The first time I encountered somebody in a device like that, it was really off-putting at a cocktail party for about five or ten seconds, and then it was totally normal. And so my whole point is that a lot of this stuff seems like science fiction, but just like Zoom, you're going to it's going to be here one day, and then the day after that, it's going to be normal to you. And yep. so, so what do you do to get ready for that? Well. Uh, you, you start thinking about, hey, what is it that we're really good at in our agency? What is it that we do better in our local community, our local marketplace, that's better than other people? Okay, well, now instead of having a thousand prospects in my town or my state, maybe I have 10 or 15 or 20,000 in the whole country. And so that's when I, when I say geography's dead, we can now begin to think about taking that really narrow expertise and we now have a lot more people we can talk to and, and, and relate to, and we can still see them in person because now we're dealing, let's say, in an industry uh, that gets together at conferences or whatever. We go to those. We have a cocktail with somebody. We do we go out to dinner. Uh, we, we do know them, but now we're really reinforcing the relationship in a really immediate, personal, human way using technology. Uh, the implications I, I think the same, are enormous. The implications are enormous. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think in the same context of what we're talking about here with metaverse and AI and, and all of the machine learning things, you know, it is incumbent on you know, those of us that care about staying in front uh, and staying relevant and not getting knocked over unexpectedly by some sort of innovation or some sort of you know, evolution in the marketplace. I, I think about distribution. I think about adopting uh, technologies and, you know, uh, vendors that help us deliver the right experience for the client. And I have eaten my crow uh, in the last, you know, year or two because I thought in, in my arrogance, my foolishness, I thought that we could tell the marketplace who we were and tell them this is who we want to talk to this is the profile of the person that we are best suited to help with and and dictate terms to the marketplace and i've learned you know in the last two years or so that yes we can be a niche player we can be a specialist we can tell everyone this is how we operate but at the end of the day the client will always demand the power of self-selection 
And it is more important that we listen rather than speak our truth or whatever you want to say there, that we're listening to our target profile, that we're asking the right questions, that we're finding out, how do you like to communicate? Do you find a chat bot on a website that's been programmed with keywords where it spits out stuff when you say certain things? Is it, is it AI? Is it a text message? Is it some messaging platform on social media like Facebook Messenger or whatever? You know, how do you want to communicate, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect or client? And, you know, how do you want to buy? What kind of interaction do you want? Are you okay with a web form? Would you prefer to send an email to us? Would you prefer right. to have a phone call into our office? And then listen to what the marketplace is telling us. And then make tactical decisions. You know, you and I both have mentioned embedded and quote bind issue, like web-based applications for how distribution happens. And I think those two things, even in 2022, a lot of retail agents, a lot of our peers are still fundamentally uncomfortable with. And uh, I'd love to get your take on how do we help those that are less and I hope I'm not out of line in saying this, for someone who's been around in the game as long as you have, it is remarkable to me how comfortable you are in, in all these things we've talked about already. You're definitely in the vast minority of people that have been in the game as long as you have that are as comfortable with these topics as you are. That's really impressive for some. I'm only 38. I've only been in the game for 10 years. I haven't come across people that have been in the game as long as you have that are able to even talk about the metaverse with any kind of clarity at all. And here you are just riffing on the metaverse. I think that's really cool. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for the, the compliment. And um, But let's come back to, this is really about mindset, okay? Um, we have had a mindset in business in general, but in, in, in our industry in particular, that we have a way of doing business and the customer, because it's their only choice, will do business that way. And we don't think about it like this, but what that really is, is a unique form of arrogance. Um, it might have at one time been the most effective and efficient way to run the business to take care of what we need to do for people. But it's really arrogant to think that it's got to be that way. You've brought up the fact that we ought to uh, or, or the point that we ought to talk to people the way they want to be talked to and communicate with them in the in the modality and the time and the place when they want to be communicated with. And yet today in uh, the year we're in, 2022, almost all insurance agencies are still open eight or nine in the morning till five in the evening, Monday through Friday, and you can't get a person uh, on the weekend or at night when real life is happening. And so, uh, you know, that's not only arrogant, but it's also um, a mindset that, you know, we can't do it differently. And so we have to change the, our entire way of thinking to what you're really describing, which is, okay, what is it I have to become to be the person who's compelling to the prospect that I want to serve? Um, you know, and, and and it isn't just how you're communicated with, but when and all, all those things. It's being willing to to be vulnerable uh, and challenge the way you're doing business completely uh, in order to meet the needs 
of your prospective client where they're at. And so I think if you if you begin to ask that question, it tells you what you have to do because your, yep. your prospects will tell you what you have to do. And um, and that's threatening to people. Um, you know, so you sort of made some nice you know, comments about my age. I'm a little bit older than you than you are. I've been around a little longer. A lot of people my age don't want to go to the trouble. Yep. Uh, you know, they'd rather just tough it out until they can retire uh, and let somebody else deal with it. Um, I don't feel that way. I mean, I think retirement's being put out of use. Who wants to be put out of use? Uh, you know, so I have it, no intentions to retire. I well, retirement it, it, is just. More hours to be involved in, in my community and give back to nonprofit and whatnot. Uh, I love hearing you say that. But my point is, nobody wants to be put out of use, but I don't think we think about no. it like that. And you think, and, and frankly, this is a whole thing we haven't talked about, but you know, the solution to our talent crisis in our business is to not let people retire. Uh, we don't have the new people coming behind them. They just physically do not exist. And so ask yourself, you know, why is it that people allow themselves to be put out of use? It, it's yeah. one of three things, I think. One is they're sick and unhealthy and they can't come to work. We can't fix that. Uh, but the biggest one, I believe, is because they're tired of the crap. You know, there's just a whole bunch of stuff they don't like doing. They've been having to do it for 30 or 40 years. They don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know what? They don't have to because either technology will do it for them or younger people can do that and they can put their unique experience wisdom and education to work on the things that they do really, really well. And so we have to reinvent work uh, to make that happen. The other thing is they want freedom and they want the freedom of time to go see grandkids, to travel, to do all the things that they can't do if they have to be somewhere Monday through Friday, uh, you know, 12 months out of the year. But there's nothing that says that that can't be done from anywhere. This whole work from home thing, I think, will is going to revolutionize the way we live, not just the way we work. Uh, I think we're just at the beginning. I think we're at the Model T stage of that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so so uh, I think as we open up our minds, and this is a great opportunity to do it, to, to, just in terms of how do you want to work? How do you want to run your business? What kind of freedom and flexibility do you want to have? And so what kind of flexibility and freedom do you want your employees to have, which then has implications for the flexibility, freedom, desires, wants, and needs of your clients? It begins to open you up to the idea that, you know, you've done things successfully for a long time a certain way, but that doesn't mean that it can't be radically different in the future and even more successful. Yep. But we have to be willing to have those thoughts, right? And um, I think the people who do, uh, and who experiment and fail and learn from their failure and try again are the ones who are going to be radically successful a decade from now. Yeah. You know, as my, my grandfather said, and this is one of the, the quotes that I will take with me from him for the rest of my life. Um, we were doing something uh, at his house and I was probably 11 or 12 years old and I, I failed at it. And I don't know if it was, you know, something with an axe or whatever, you know, he had a grapefruit tree in his backyard. I don't know, remember exactly what we were doing, but I failed and I got frustrated and I wanted to quit. And, you know, I remember he put his hand, uh, he, he was, um, he, he had a, uh, a stroke and he put his hand on my shoulder and it was like, son, if you aren't failing, you aren't trying hard enough. Yeah. If you aren't failing at something, you aren't trying hard enough. 
and I couldn't have been more than 11 or 12 years old, um, but I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And it was like, failing doesn't mean anything. It just means you're trying hard to do something. That's right. Well, your, your grandfather was right. And um, I think that's, the, that's a challenge, I think, for those of us in the insurance distribution business, okay, which is to ask ourselves this question, which is, okay, how often are we failing and are we failing enough? Because we, we're operating, um, you know, businesses that have been around uh, in one form or another for 100 years. It's the, the, the model isn't complicated. There's a friend of mine who works for an insurance company said once, he said, I'm gonna, when I retire, I'm going to become an independent insurance agent. I mean, it's just not that hard, right? Um, so, but now we're in a place where experimentation and failure are really the keys for future success. And yeah. so how do you, and so, you know, if you're listening to us and you're running an agency and you're trying to figure out how to be successful in the future, ask yourself, okay, what was our last failure and what did we do about it? Um, you know, did we celebrate it? Um, did we, did we do some things to learn from it? Did we encourage people to do it again? There's a man named Astro Teller who runs uh, X, which is Alphabet's Skunks Works, where they come up with all their new ideas for companies. Mm. And uh, when, when a team comes to Astro and says, you know, we failed, he literally embraces them physically. You know, and then they call the entire company together and the people get to talk about, you know, that the fact that they failed and what they learned from it. Everybody stands up and applauds. They get bonuses and their assignment of the next, uh, their choice of assignment of the next project. I mean, they celebrate the failure because they're harvesting learning from it. And they make it real and they make it uh, something that people are not really afraid of. I'm a pilot and we go up and do stalls, which is when the airplane quits flying. And we do that to know mm -hmm. what they where the boundaries are between flight and falling out of the sky. And we do it so that we're no longer afraid of it. So what are you doing in your agency to push the boundaries so that you're no longer afraid of failure, so that you're embracing and learning from it and harvesting that? And, and I do think if you're doing those kinds of things, you're well set up for the future. I, I love that perspective of capturing the failures and, I think the flip side of that can also be really useful, you know, for our freedom jumpers out there that are, are trying to figure out what the, the actionable is, what the takeaway is from this episode. Uh, and, you know, I would follow along what you just said, Tony, of, you know, think about a failure that you've had in your office. Well, the flip side is also true. Think about a big fat win that's happened in the last six months. And, you know, as we record this, it's November of the year, you know, so, you know, this year, What's a really big win that you're looking at and going, man, I crushed it there. Or somebody on your team crushed it. You know, dissect that thing. How did the win happen? How did you get the yes? How did you get the BOR? How did you, you know, add that big line of business? Or, you know, just go out and prospect a really nice account. Pull back the curtain and figure out how did the win happen? How do we make another win happen like that one happened? You know, winning, you know, learning from your failures is kind of the sexy thing to talk about right now. Uh, capture the failure and so on. You know, I never lose. I either win or I learn, you know, the movie quote. Now, the same can be said for the wins, too. 
I think that's right. And, you know, you remind me of something, which is that one of the keys to success has, you know, in in any business at any time, and certainly it will be always, I think, this way, regardless of what the environment does differently, is that, you know, when you create a vision for your future and you make a decision and set a goal, uh, I believe the universe lines up to give you what you're looking for. Um, I explain it this way. I mean, everyone's had a refrigerator break and discovers that the the uh, appliance store in town's having a sale. My business coach Dan Sullivan says that the that the ears only hear and the eyes only see what the mind is looking for. So when you create the vision for yourself and you decide this is where I'm going, this is what I want to accomplish, this is where I want to end up. Um, Everything aligns to give that to you. So the beginning point of all of this for building success in the future is the vision of greater uh, growth, opportunity, and accomplishment for yourself, which ties right back into what you're saying about celebrating success. But having that vision is the thing that allows you to put the stumbles into perspective and the wins in the right place as well. Hmm. I love that, man. You know, we are we are coming up to you know the end of our time together here, and I would love uh, for you to to share a little bit about uh, the SIAA opportunity. You know, we we have you know a schedule for a few months from now, and we're going to have the CEO of the national organization, Matt Masiello, uh, is going to come on and, and talk about bigger picture stuff. But you and I are closer to the ground floor. You and I are closer to the local retail person who maybe is, you know, a, a scratch independent who's by themselves. They don't have a tribe. They don't have a network. Maybe someone is listening and they're currently working for a captive or exclusive carrier. There's any number of reasons why someone would want to join uh, SIAA. Uh, what, what do you think the, the biggest uh, two or three are? Um, and let me just make it a little bit harder for you. You're not allowed to talk about uh, guaranteed points of commission, and you're not allowed to talk about market access. Other than those two, why should anybody join SIA? I think the biggest one's teamwork. I, you know, I don't care what you do in life. When you do it with other people who are gifted, uh, maybe a little bit differently than you are, and you put your gifts together with their gifts, you create something called synergy, which is, you know, one plus one equals three. And all of us, I believe, are better in teams than we are on our own. Um, even people like uh, Tiger Woods, this iconic golfer uh, who plays a sport of individuals, it has only been as successful as he has been because of the coaching and uh, the teamwork that he's had with a group of people helping him to do what he does at the very highest level. And, and I think SIAA, with its master agencies at the regional level, the expertise and so forth that's available at the national level, uh, and the incredible giftedness and drive and, and uh, 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 expertise of the agent dealing with the client, creates a team that is unbeatable in the marketplace. I think that's its real. You know, we talked about uh, aggregation, which is the stuff you don't want me to mention. But, I mean, that's a byproduct of teamwork. One of the the biggest negative things that I hear routinely from my peers in the marketplace is the the quote-unquote divorce clause uh, in the contract. And... 
the idea of uh, paying split of your revenue to a third party uh, in exchange for what exactly? Uh, what's the counterpoint that you would offer uh, for people that poo-poo the entire idea of joining an aggregator or a network because they don't like the idea that there's some strings attached if you ever try to leave at some point in the future? What do you say to folks that, that don't like that part of the arrangement? Well, I think every business model has uniqueness in the way that the, the benefits of participation are arranged. And whether, you know, there's a lot of different people that are trying to help different agents in different ways to be better than they could be on their own. And so I think you just have to look at, at the whole array of things and ask yourself a fundamental question, which is, is it fair? And um, am I better off with that arrangement and sharing of benefits than I would be all by myself? And there may be a few people out there who are truly better off being a Lone Ranger, but I think less and less frequently today that's true. Uh, For a lot of the reasons we've already talked about, uh, and some that we haven't. Um, You know, again, if you are so talented, so gifted, so knowledgeable, uh, so driven, all those things that you literally are going to be more successful on your own than with someone else's uh, participation, um, then you don't you don't need to belong to anything. You should go do your own thing. But if you're magnified with other people's unique abilities and talents, then the question really is: Okay, we all contribute, uh, and we should all receive uh, you know something for our contribution, is that arrangement fair? Yeah. Love that answer, Tony. You know, as we as we get ready to land the plane, and with you being a pilot, my little phrase that I find myself using all the time uh, means even more. Uh, is anything that you want to, to bring up, anything we missed before we wrap this episode up and get you back to the last bit of your afternoon? Well, just this. Um, you know, as we are talking in November of 2022, um, the world's on fire. Uh, the country's got all kinds of problems. The economy's uh, got a lot of uncertainty. Um, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, there's a lot of stress that gets created by that. Um, but what I would say to people who are in our business is that we have a tremendous opportunity to help our clients and customers na- navigate their own futures through that roiled ocean. And that is a real uh, value that we can bring because we have a perspective on all of that with respect to risk that people need to hear and, and uh, need to use. And so uh, we have a chance, I think, to be of real service to our country and our communities right now. And I'd encourage us to bear that in mind. And we're going to come through all the challenges that we have. If we keep focused on helping our clients and customers, we're going to do better in the future than we've done in the past. I'm hugely optimistic about that. You know, I've said several times in the last few months, and, and I will continue saying it, I think this is an amazing, amazing opportunity for the winners the people that have what it takes to be winners because it's been a very very easy game to play for a number of years Uh, since 2012 when i got into the industry it's been very easy the barrier to entry is non-existent you pass a licensing test 
and you're good to go. Get yourself hired by a company and go talk to people and sell stuff. And that is, in my opinion, way too easy. There should be more barriers to entry. But the great thing about difficult times is there's a separation. Uh, the, the bell curve gets a lot wider and a lot flatter in very difficult times. And those of us, uh, you know, you and, and your 190-something agents at OAA, those of us who lean into the challenge, who find ways to thrive instead of find a reason to complain, those are the folks that are going to be ready to go uh, the moment that things start to turn back in a, in a better direction. And just looking at it from a logistics perspective, there's going to be a lot of people that say, you know what? And you said it earlier, Tony. You know what? I don't have time for this crap. I, I'm done. I don't want to play this game anymore. And they immediately become acquisition targets. And the folks that are rocking and rolling, that have a good head on their shoulders, that are agile, that are leaning into the challenge, there's going to be so many opportunities uh, as we enter this recession that I, I fully believe we're on the front end of. I don't know how long it lasts, maybe a year or two, uh, hopefully less than that, but we'll see. The folks that are ready are going to have so many opportunities for amazing wins uh, and just piling up successes for their agency. And I know OAA is well positioned. SIA at the national level certainly is too. Uh, it's incredibly encouraging for me to have colleagues like Tony Caldwell right up the road in Oklahoma uh, to, to know that you're on the same path that I'm on and that you're, you're going to have a bunch of folks in your organization that are winning right alongside what we're seeing uh, with our tribe here. So, uh, Tony, this has been a really uh, engaging and insightful conversation. Uh, I have been listening right alongside most of our audience. I really appreciate your time today. As we wrap up, anything you want to add? Any final thoughts or are we good to go? No, we're good to go. Thank you, James. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be with you. If anybody is in your operating territory there in Oklahoma and the other states that you work in, and they want to have a conversation on how you know partnering with OAA may be a good option for them to consider, what's the best way for them to engage with you guys? Well, you can either come to our website at oneagentsalliance.net and, uh, and communicate with us there, or you can always go to my personal website, tonycaldwell.net, and drop me a line, and uh, would love to hear from you. Awesome. And folks, if you're out there, if you're in one of those states, the seven states that Tony mentioned, and you want to learn more about the SIAA opportunity, uh, I have personally very much enjoyed my experience as a partner agent with SIAA and with Coverica. Uh, we're, we're down here a little bit south of where Tony operates, but uh, I think it's a very good idea for you to reach out to Tony and his team at One, at, uh, one Agents Alliance if that's something that you're uh, interested in learning more about. And that's all she wrote for this episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Check the show notes below for the best ways to connect with us. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. 
Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Let's go.